Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a very deep conversation with Gigi over a Zoom video about her life experiences, how she got into music, some major tragedies in her life, and how she was able to cope with that uh, from music. She was born in New Jersey, raised in Florida, started writing songs around 15 years old, ended up attending Berklee School of Music. She had a lot of heavy things happen to her in the past few years, from losing a grandparent to then losing her sister and losing a relationship. She talks to us all about how she was able to process all of that. She had a huge viral moment on TikTok with writing the first line to a song that will be coming out in the near future. She talks about about her sister ends up going crazy on TikTok within minutes. I think 22 minutes in, she said it was like at hundreds of thousands of, of listens and, and shares. She talked about how that experience was and then all about her song, Sometimes, which was the next massive viral moment she had. The song has over 60 million, I think 61 million plays on Spotify. So she tells us all about that as well. You can watch our interview with Gigi on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Gigi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Uh, my name's Adam, and this podcast is about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. I'm so excited. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I guess first off, talk to me about where were you born and raised? Where are you from? I was born in Hackensack, New Jersey, and I was raised in West Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, interesting. So how long were you in uh, Jersey before you moved to Florida? I was probably like five or six when I moved to Florida. Yeah. Okay. And do you come from a musical household at all? Yes and no. I feel like there have been specific people within my family tree that I've uh, known that dabbled in music, but my first real upfront encounter in music in my family was my older sister. Um, she was like really into musical theater and uh, she was an opera singer. Oh, but wow. um, as far as my... Like my parents, not at all. Like I grew up just listening to Spanish music and bachata and all that fun stuff. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, what was when were you like your sister doing a musical theater? Were you was that something that you were exposed to while you're still living in Jersey, or did all of this kind of come once you had moved down to Florida? This all started when I was probably like in elementary school in Florida, she started getting involved in the school plays. I was probably like in like the fifth, like third grade. She was in the fifth grade getting like, she like played like, uh, what was that? Mrs. Potts and Beauty and the Beast and all that stuff. And then it transferred to middle school and high school where we went to like a really rigorous, uh, school that had like, uh, like, a, like a crazy theater program. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of like a continuum from elementary. That's kind of when it got more serious. Okay. So she's a co only a couple of years older than you? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I didn't, wasn't sure if like it was a 10 year gap or something and, you know, she was doing opera in college and you're like, oh, like this is so interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, right. She, um, uh, she was two years older than me. So yeah. Um, yeah like prefacing the conversation she passed away to like probably like two three years ago no two years ago um oh my gosh i'm so sorry thank you um but yeah she was my main introduction to music and for a while i never i never really considered music like i felt really drawn to it i definitely felt drawn to it like if i remember when i was a kid like 
this was in Florida. This was like right next to my house. There was this Costco. And when they had the pian, they would have like the section of instruments and there was like pianos. I just like bang on it, like bang on it. I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I told, I, that's a recent memory that I recovered. I, I like totally forgot that I would just like bang on instruments. I wasn't knowing, like I didn't for a long time, there was no real uh, progress being made. It was kind of one of the things that I, went to and then I forgot about and then I went to because I mainly did theater and I started writing when I was around 15 that's when I really felt the the spark for it okay and did you take you said you came to it and then you left was that did you take piano lessons growing no. up or no okay I, that, that's the thing I feel like my memory is cloudy but I remember like obviously my parents were like do an instrument do this but I never I didn't want to be taught, you know, I was like very stubborn in that way. Um, but I ended up teaching myself basic piano and then that turned into guitar and yeah, but most of it was all just me figuring it out, which it took a while, but that's how I wanted to do it. Sure. I mean, a lot of people do it that way. Right. I mean, without <laughs> lessons and sometimes when you get the the lessons, like piano at, at an early age, it almost turns kids off from it. It's like, oh, I've got this house that this lady has little cats and it stinks, right. and I've just got to like play up, you know, a certain way. And I'm all, right. all I get to do is play different, you know, whatever scales. And right. I mean, you can push kids away. And, but when you learn it on your own, I think it, it's something, a totally different experience. Right. I feel like I definitely had no theory background was very anti theory until I realized I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this with my life. Uh And I want to go to Berkeley um, school of music. And so I took um, a theory class when I was 17 and then I had to do AP theory. So I was just like thrown into theory without having any sort of, I mean, I did choir and like you have the Uh do right me stuff, but as far as like real practical theory, that was never something that, was applied in my life and I at first I was very like no like I'm grateful that I didn't start out that way because I feel like in that way I I I'm not musically rigid in that mm-hmm. sense not not to say that you can't create beautiful things with it because I think when you can combine those two worlds it, it's really beautiful and that's something that I've been like more in recent years open to but um yeah at first I was like no it was uh, like what point did you decide you wanted to go to berkeley i mean it sounds like at 17 you must have been just about to graduate high school right um, before you're like oh maybe i should do this music but was that always something that you're what at what moment did you want to do music that was like the the thing you wanted to pursue i think when i realized my obsession for it was so all-consuming and it was the only thing that I would think about or do. I feel mm-hmm. like growing up, I I struggled to find connection in and like relatability in my peers. I went to a Christian school and I feel like growing up gay in an environment where you're not allowed to be that mm-hmm. was very taxing on me. And I think I poured, once I discovered letting out my emotions and you know being able to analyze them uh it was it was a total life changer for me i feel like that was like the first time i could breathe and it just tumbled into this obsession where i would stay up till four or five in the morning just like banging away on the on the keyboard on my and um just writing you know about how i felt at the time and, you know, for a while I wasn't, I wasn't good. And I think, yes, good is subjective, all that stuff. But I think anybody in my family could be like, you, they could vouch for that. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> no. they can and they can. And I believe them. I do. I, it took me, it wasn't one of those things that was like, I wasn't naturally talented. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was. I think it was one of those things that like, I kind of, in my head, I'm kind of like the universe or God or, or whatever we want to call it was kind of like, yeah, this girl really, really loves this. So we're going to, we're going to give her something to work with. Um, and it was one of those, thing, those things where it just 
peeled off, you know, when you put in that amount of time, mm-hmm. at least for me, uh, something really beautiful came out of that. I'm very, I'm very grateful. Cause you know, for a while I just did it cause, um, I thought it was so fun, you know? Sure. Sure. So did you go to Christian school in, in, in high school as well? Yeah. So at first okay. I, I was going to, I went to a regular public school and then when I was 12, my mom got a job as a cafeteria lady and as a bus driver to put us into the school. Um, so she worked her way to pay for the school that we, that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a Christian school. It was really, it was really intense in that way. I bet. Was it, were you writing to kind of get your emotions out and because you probably couldn't come out to the people at your school because of you know, where you're at? Yeah. I, I think like, the beginning of me discovering my sexuality was a very, very difficult thing to come to terms with. Because mm-hmm. I really, you know, I grew up with the notion in my head that, you know, if you're gay, you're going to hell. And sure. it was it was complicated for me because I did experience a connection to something divine. And I didn't know what that was. I think in recent years, my concept of God and religion has changed a lot, but at the time it was very much set and I had it very deeply ingrained into my mind that this wasn't going to work. You mm-hmm. know, they, they ingrained, and I'm not saying that like I'm taking the actual Bible or whatever out of it, but the community of people very much. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't as accepting. I mean, I don't know if it's changed a whole lot now, but Obviously, years ago, it was definitely not an accepting space to come out as a gay person, right? Right. And I think, like, I was very grateful to have really good friends that were super supportive. And then, like, at one point, people just started coming out, and it was very funny. Um, oh, that was interesting. Fun. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of gay people that went to that school. It's very gay. But, um, but you were the first one to, like, you kind of set the, you know the acceptance so people were comfortable or safe to come out? Yes. I mean, it was, it was an interesting line because it was something I think within the student, like by the time I was a senior, like everybody knew it wasn't a secret except probably for the administration. Cause like, Uh I don't even know if I can say this without getting clocked. I'm like, I don't even know what they could do, but I'm pretty sure in the honor code, you, there was something that you have because you have to sign every year in honor code. Um, of things that you have the rules you have to abide by and one of them was that not engaging like engaging in homosexual activity could get you expelled wow yeah no it was definitely like looking back on that I was like I cannot believe I mean it didn't matter anyway because there was no like I I didn't like I I was a late bloomer so it wasn't (laughs) like I was gonna get expelled for anything um but it was definitely a scary thought. I think at that age, when you're trying to understand what you like and who you are, it's one of those things that feels very restrictive. And I think that's also why a lot of people lash out and rebel. Why you have so many stories of people that were that grew up in very rigid uh, ways, um, you know, kind of just go off the deep end, you know, in so many cases, not just tied to religion, but in any um, environment that's Mm -hmm. rigid. Right. If you can't express who you are, you're not being accepted. It's you're going to go find a way to be accepted or to numb those feelings. Right. Wow. Um, uh, That's (laughs) blows my blows my mind that they would have a contract that says that. But I guess it also doesn't, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like they can, you know, it's their private institution. They can do do whatever whatever. they want, right? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely weird. Um, I think overall, though, I'm grateful for the experience in a lot of ways. I mean, this is like a whole facet. It's so funny because so a lot of the people that went to our school that were in my age groups, like a lot of us stay in contact with each other because, you know, you hear about like, people from high school is being like, yeah, I don't talk to anybody from high school. I, I <laughs> that's me. No, <laughs> no, literally. And that's, that's so crazy <laughs> to me. Cause I think we're all trauma bonded. 
like and this is the joke oh that we interesting can go years, we can go years without seeing each other and we'll come back and we'll talk about all the things that happen and we always go back to the fact that this is like the thread of our lives that all of us are affected to this day in different ways whether it's subconsciously or not but we can all go back and talk about it and i think that that may contribute to maybe why there's right. a lot of community even after high school yeah trauma bonded that's a great way to look at it and yeah. not great but i mean it's an interesting way obviously to 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 yeah. see that cuz it's probably very very true um okay wow so you started writing songs at 15 uh, getting these emotions out and then at what point I mean, you said that you decided, you know, this is what I want to do. So it's senior year is when you're taking these theory classes. Right. Well, did you end up going to Berkeley? Like, what was that experience? Yes. So when I was, I think what had happened is that I think it was it's 16. I was 16 years old when I was looking at schools for music. And I thought I wanted, to, it was so funny. I thought I wanted to move to California. I was like, I'm going to move to California and like go to like university like i don't even know what what california school has like I, usc I'm not, has it yeah, well, yeah you could just go to la and work at or go to some sort of music yeah school. i was totally like living in tumblr like i'm gonna live my california dreams <laughs> living um, in tumblr <laughs> literally and then i came across uh berkeley and i decided to go to a songwriting camp and i went there that was the first time that i ever met other gay kids like in real life i had a lot of online friends growing up but mm -hmm. even at this point i don't think any of my friends were out it was the first time i was around gay people like really like that were my age it was like such a crazy thing and one of the girls that i met um gabby she's still one of my best friends to this day she was actually one of the first people i met at berkeley and we ended up being roommates um when we went to school 2019 so as far as, so I, I discovered the program and I went there, I fell in love with it. Um, I, it was such a funny time. It was the first time I traveled alone and I had this big ass guitar case, big ass suitcase, like looking like a lost like puppy, um, <laughs> like right on Mass Ave. And I, it was kind of like, it was like, you know, the movie moment for me. I was like, this is my moment. Um, and I felt, I mean, I fell in love with it. it. I think it was just one of those things that like, I knew I enjoyed every single second of being in the classes and hearing from the professors and just, you know, seeing people just jam, you know, cause mm -hmm. I feel like that's another thing about where I grew up is that there weren't, I didn't see anybody writing songs. I didn't know that that was even a thing. You know, I just knew that we sang the song that somebody else wrote. Um, so it was the first time I was around creatives um in that way and it was mm -hmm. so inspiring to me and i think it it just felt like home and so that's when i went back and i i was i was 16 taking my first year class and then i had to take the ap so that i could prepare for my first semester at school so i went to yeah i did that and it was so i was like ripping my hair out stressful because i was just like it's just so much so fast um, every single day is like, we're learning a new topic. You didn't learn the last one. You didn't read. Good luck. I didn't, I didn't pass the test. I definitely like did not pass the theory test. There was like a lot of things happening right at the time. So I, I, I take it, I take that lightly on myself, mm -hmm. but I did that. And I'm grateful that I took those classes because, but this is what's funny going into my first semester, they placed me in like level two of ear training because i could tell in intervals apart and that was oh. the biggest mistake that was the start of a i don't know can i curse on here yeah you can say whatever you want okay um it was the start of a shit show for like the next <laughs> month of my time at berkeley because i was placed in a higher level class than what i actually was so we were oh. like doing sight reading i had no idea what was, what was going on i went to like three different classes and it was it was a very slow process but in other respects it was pretty, I, I knew what was going on and I thought it was going to be a lot harder mm -hmm. my first semester than it was theory wise because AP like drilled so much. And then after that, I was like, lost. I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on now. Um, but I forget what was the initial question? 
There really wasn't one. We were just kind of talking okay. about how you got to Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of how this this podcast goes. It's more of a conversation. I'm not okay. going to really fire a whole lot of questions at you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. So then you ended up, you said 2019 was when you got to Berkeley, officially got in. Uh, well, so I auditioned, I think it was 2017. Okay. And then I deferred for a year because at that point I, my grandmother had just passed away a few months ago. And then after that, my uncle passed away. Oh my um, gosh, a lot in a couple yeah, of years. It was a lot. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely, I think it was the first time I was really troubled and presented with the thought of mortality. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a very existential person, especially I think this goes into you know, the, the religion conversation is that it, it drills in you that you have a set amount of time on earth. And after that, you either have a really great time or not a great time. Sure. Um, and I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on you as a child um, and, you know, can really wire, like do some, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, just do some damage, I guess, to your development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, I was really just not in a good headspace with all that. And I decided to defer for a year and go to therapy and also save money. Because um, at the time, that was also an issue because, you know, these schools are you oh, know, crazy so expensive, time. especially a, a Berkeley's from what I hear is like ridiculously it's insane. It's totally, totally, totally insane. Um, but I ended up getting a full scholarship my last semester, which is so funny because I literally dropped out, but I was like, I was on, I like worked my way to get a full scholarship. So like when I went in, I had like one third and then by the time I was leaving, they offered me a full scholarship, which is so crazy. Um, And I'm so grateful for that. But um, yeah, so I got there 2019 after a year of being home and with my family processing my grief and I actually was working at a it was like a mini cafe that was also like a mini guitar center Mm, and that was really really nice because in my small town there isn't really a music scene so that was definitely a, a really great place for me to express myself in community and yeah, it was really fun. I, I would be waitressing and then on my breaks, I would go play songs on the little stage. Oh, um, cool. So it had like a little open mic night or like an yes. open mic stage. That's cool. Yeah, that was fun. I used to host them. And every time I, you know, go back in town, I visit and do that. Was that a kind of a cool, ex- like, was that some of your first, ex- oh, I, I guess you went to that camp. I was going to say, was that some of your first experiences playing like your own songs to people? But you must have done that at that camp prior there were like a few, I'm, I'm, I don't even know. It was more like a classroom setting. If you were playing, I think mm-hmm. maybe I played on a mic somewhere at that camp, but really that was my first time Oh wow! playing, playing on a microphone with my guitar, um, playing my own songs. So yeah. that was definitely so, I don't know, so magical, you know, mm-hmm. especially that there's like people that you've never met sitting in the crowd. Um, it was really, really fun. That's really, really cool. And um, were you sent home from school uh, due to like, the, if you went there in 2019, then the pandemic hits and then it's, you're probably like, were you in Boston and had to come yep. home or were you already back before that? I was in Boston. Actually, I was talking about the other day. It was a crazy day. So at, before everything was canceled and we heard about COVID happening, mm-hmm. I'm somebody who's, I struggle with trying not to be a hypochondriac and I don't say that lightly. Like I really don't say that lightly. And I think it's a lot of it, you know, I'm so grateful that I've been able to go to therapy. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think it's definitely helped with those things. But at that time in my life, mess mentally, like don't want to get sick, especially with something like COVID where there's so much novelty surrounding it. Um, so I heard about it. And when I heard about it, I freaked out. And so two weeks prior, before everything got shut down, I was in panic mode already. So I'm like, it's here. It's here. Oh, so um, you were kind of, you were hearing about it as like one of those early. 
Yes. When it was the, the coronavirus. I remember just seeing memes. It was like coronavirus started by Corona beer. Like it was like there's a like this kind of light heartedness to it because. Right. I as Americans, we just don't assume it's going to come here and be a whole, a whole thing. We're just like, oh, yep. that's something other people deal with. And yep. obviously every time. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw it. I saw it from far in the distance. I saw the iceberg and I was like, hell no. Um, but I remember that week. It was like the day before everything got shut down. I was having a voice lesson and my teacher told me, she was like, I feel like everything's going to shut down. We just got we just got an email um, that they're sending everybody home. So I knew before everybody else knew that this was going to happen. I, I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um but I was definitely like, oh my God, when is this going to happen? And then I remember when we all, when the students got the email, I was in a practice room and there's like a big hallway with a bunch of rooms with pianos and the people go on. And I remember when we got the email seeing like so many people come out and everybody just being like looking around and asking questions and being like, holy crap, you know, this is really, really happening and everybody's getting sent home. And there was like this whole situation with the dorms. And I'm so grateful that I wasn't in a dorm because at first I was like really upset about not being in a dorm, even though I'm like 19. Um, Because one, it's harder to connect socially if you're not like in those. Yeah, you're like immersed with everybody. Right. I mean, you're kind of if you're in a dorm, it's just you and all the kids that go to school and you'll see them passing. And yeah, right. Sure. So I, I remember being upset about that. And then at the end, I was like, I feel bad for these kids. I got to figure out where the hell they're going to be. You know, they're and there going, was a, a lot sure. of universities were dealing with the, the those kinds of issues. Um, so everybody got sent home. I left the next day or that. I think I may have left that day or the next day um, after my last class. I parked whatever I could and I just sent it home. And at the, at this point, literally that week I went through a breakup. So I wanted to go home. I wanted to be with my mom (laughs) and dad. Yeah. I literally was like, I'm going home. This is so great for me. Um, Uh Cause I feel like being at school is, you know, it can be very isolating. um, Mm -hmm. Especially that far away from your family. Right. I mean, they're in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And you're all the way North up in Boston. Right. So I went home and I did school online for I think I feel like a semester I think it definitely affected how I interacted and performed in school because I I like in growing up I never had stellar grades like I would definitely math was really bad for me really 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 like I really struggled I had to put in a lot of hours to see a b or a c you know Mm -hmm. um and then sometimes I would get a lucky a but um I, it was very like mixed in that way. It was nothing special in that regard. But when I went to school, I, I, I performed really well. And I, you know, I figured this it's because I care about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, e- it's easier when you really care about what you're learning about. Um, but after COVID, it just literally was like a steady decline down. Right. Yeah. So you ended up obviously not going back and you have a career in what everyone would want anyway from graduating from that school i mean yes (laughs) i mean i just yes like i think if you i feel most artists songwriters whatever you're doing if it's more freelance situation that's the goal i was Mm -hmm. kind of split because part of me was like i definitely don't want to graduate from here then i'm like but why am i investing i'm like oh you know the back and forth pitter patter yeah um what is your intention? What are you trying to get out of this? And um, it's really crazy that it happened. My best friend told me before I went to Berkeley, she's like, you're going to, you're going to drop out your junior year. I know that. Um, and I believed her, but it was like weird. Cause sometimes she just, she, sometimes she's just right about things. So when she says something like that, I believe her. And she was right, which is very crazy. Cause I was about to enter my senior year when I uploaded the song to TikTok and then it your life changed. Yeah, it's definitely it's unrecognizable. And I think even though it's been over a year being really in the music scene, Uh it still 
feels unrecognizable because it's something that I wanted so badly and I didn't know how, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you, you can knock on the door as many times as you want, but until somebody lets you in, you're not, you're not getting in. Right. Um, so it's just, it's really crazy how everything came together. I definitely wasn't expecting it. And honestly, at this, at this point in my life, when it happened, so COVID was happening and that was really, you know, bad on everybody's mm-hmm. in, in all respects, you know, just for people in general, it was just hard. Um, right. And I think it was really hard for me mentally. I was in a very confusing and toxic relationship in this period of time. It's like the same breakup thing, you know, it's one of those things like when, when it's over, you got to cut it off. Right. And you had lost your sister and all that, right? And your all that all kind of, or was that later? Sorry, I don't want to oh, no, you're good. dig you're good. that up. At this point, COVID, we're home. I'm doing online and weird place for me. And then I think it's when things started opening up a little bit. It was July of 2020. She passed away. And then a month after that, I was broken up with. And so it was kind of one of those things that, was a very complicated time grief wise and trying to separate or, you know, you can't, you know, it's like one of those things like I realized like, and I fought that for a long time. I felt very guilty, you know, when I was upset about this ex, when I was like, you know, it was just, it was a very messy thing, you know, in, in my emotional world. With your significant other, that would be the person you would hope to lean on. And especially in such a big tragic situation. And then to have that kind of, and similar time or quickly quite you know after the fact like that's yeah. a lot for any i mean the first piece is uh, too much for n- most people and then to add right. that second element is just oh my goodness right it was it was really rough it was um you know i feel like it was one of those things that i was not in a like high point in my life anyway I think it was one of those things where like in certain times in life, you're at a standstill. It was definitely a standstill in my life where I didn't feel like I knew who I was even like before my sister passed away. Um, You know, with going to Berkeley, I feel like there was a, maybe an expectation that wasn't met or, you know, I just wasn't happy with myself or how I was going to plan on being an artist. A question that I would get a lot is like, how do you think you're going to do this? You know what I mean? Or like people would talk about it. I would hear something through a friend of like, you know, like this person is trying to be a musician, isn't really making any moves. Cause at this point I TikTok was starting to become a thing. My little mm-hmm. sister was very early to it, but I was stubborn. You know, I, I didn't really want to share. Well, it's um, like dance challenges and stuff in the beginning exactly. too. Right. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't become this music, yeah like breaking artists until a little bit later exactly and i think i was kind of hesitant towards that and i think i started i started posting late quarantine if i'm not mistaken but mainly because of the fact that i had really nothing else i was kind of like at this like this point i had 300 followers on there um and I would just post into the void and, you know, it was, a it was a weird time where I didn't see any sort of light after my sister passed away. I was struggling with a lot, um, to a level that I never experienced before. And it was very scary for me. Um, but I started posting videos of singing and at this time I wasn't posting original content because kind of a question that I had for myself or for the universe was like who the hell is going to relate to this you know I felt like in so many ways I lost my relatability to the world and I think that's the thing about grief is that it's such an isolating experience you know I didn't know anybody except for one person that lost a sibling and I wasn't close with them. So I, I really didn't have anybody to talk to besides obviously people can be there for you. My friends were there for me. People showed up, you know, 
but, but they, people can empathize, but they don't know what you're going through in that deep of a right. level for sure. Exactly. And I remember that night that I shared that video. It was one of those, I, I read something that my older sister wrote about me and it was after I did a, a show and she saw me perform and it was the most kind of one of those things where you're like, I can't believe that happened or that you said that, you know, knowing it was like almost like a foreshadowing in a way. Mm -hmm. And I had a mental breakdown and I went to my guitar and the first words that came out of my mouth are what is in that video. And I just posted it thinking nothing of it. I literally didn't think twice about it. I was kind of like, my, my friends really haven't heard me write about this or, you know, know what I feel to this level. Um, but, oh, well, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, oh, well, I have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. um, and then within literally 20 minutes, it was viral. It was like, it was like so quick. And I was just getting an influx of messages of people that I'd lost their siblings, their mothers, their fathers, their friends. And it was the first time I felt, I felt like a big, like it felt like a big hug. It felt like the biggest, warmest hug. Um, and it also was equally as heartbreaking to know that other people have experiences too. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think it gave me the confidence to be able to, I was never shy about talking about my sister either. I've never been. And I always mm -hmm. thought about, okay, when do I want to start talking about this? Especially because I don't have that song out yet. Um, but I think it also really opens me up to feel comfortable talking about this because I feel like that's what helps me um, mm -hmm. process and heal and all those things. But I think it was one of those things that I also wasn't fully emotionally like ready for to make a project about because it was so recent. At this point, she had only passed away five months prior. Wow. And it was the first song that I really wrote about her. You know, I, I didn't know how to, you know, I was so stunned and paralyzed by it. And that was the first song where I was talking to her, you know, that I, I could figure out the words, you know? So, yeah. So that, that happening, all of this happening. And, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't know what, where I would be. Honestly, I think it was, the universe God sparing me because this is the only thing that I think could have saved me. And mm -hmm. I, I like truly sincerely. And that's why when people say music saves lives, it's like, it happens in so many ways. But this is my version of that. Cause between that heartbreak and that, I was like, so wanting to check out, you know, right. and I, and it, it's not one of those things of like, you know, I never struggled with, a, a chemical imbalance depression it's mm -hmm. one of those things where it was like circumstantial it's like if mm -hmm. you like pack on enough trauma onto somebody like they're gonna anyone's gonna break right right and i would i would reach those points you know there's a point in my life where i had nothing going on i didn't want to be in berkeley uh you know i didn't have the i didn't have the zest for life anymore and at that point i was staying up till 7 a.m regularly until my body could not be awake anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was like the reality for so long. And I, like with all this happening, I'm like, I don't know if that would have still been the case to this day or how I would have done this. And so I, I'm just every single day, like even talking to you, like I don't take this one second of this for granted. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's to, to <clears throat> just to ha take on all that you've taken on, like so recent. I mean, I can't even imagine the fact that you're able to sit here and talk to me about it and, and get your feelings out and write songs and then kind of embrace this new life, which is our, probably exciting, but overwhelming in itself alongside everything you've been through. Like, I mean, that's really, really empowering. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I mean, personally, even if you, like you said, you don't need to have a chemical imbalance for depression or whatever to have losing a sibling, you know, losing a relationship, all these things kind of piling onto you. You're probably home during this pandemic when all this is happening too. And it's like, uh, like, right. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was a lot. I think watching the world move on without you, watching the world forget. Um, you know, at this point, even when everything opened back up, like I wanted to go back to school. Like if my sister like didn't pass away, I was planning on going back to school. I had all these plans. And then, you know, my parents are a whole nother factor in this. You know, they just lost a child and I, I don't want to leave them. And I don't think that I can go out and be a normal person anyway. You know, I, right. I was like totally like, like I, it's so weird to think about how at that point there was like being split in every way to where you don't in every area. Cause I think just a relationship on itself, it was my first real like experience in that way. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times your first time around, you can lose yourself, which that happened to me. Sure. And I, think I sacrificed a lot of myself without realizing that I was losing my identity. Mm-hmm. And so to have no identity and then have the, that happen was just like, you just don't know who you are, you know, mm-hmm. at all or, or what's happening around you. You can't make sense of it. Um, and again, I think through this, through this process and through music, I think it's, it's it, all of it. All it's been is just like digging, digging, digging to find what am I, you know, mm-hmm. what am I, what do I care about? Um, and also how, how, how do I view myself outside of the things that have happened to me? Mm-hmm. And with, yeah, I can't even imagine. So the, the first piece, the first video that goes viral in 20 minutes was just that one like line that you had come up with, correct? Is mm-hmm. that and then it are you you're just seeing like whoa like what's going on here and you're getting dms what and people are sharing the video and and at this point you were like probably overwhelmed yeah and then you end up following it up because the song this uh the song sometimes it wasn't that video right it wasn't yeah no no it wasn't it's totally completely different because i'm like listening to that song and i'm like that doesn't it doesn't relate so you had a like this moment that happened first and yes. then it happens again with sometime literally and it's the craziest thing i literally forget i'm like that's so insane um so the that night that song is starts to go crazy and then somebody i'm like on the phone with my friends where everybody i literally ran downstairs and it's so funny i go to my parents i'm like it's happening i was like it's happening um and then one of my my sister's best friend um my oldest sister's best friend i called her and she was like you need a private all your like because i i i shit post all the time i make stupidest videos and i upload them like my tiktok is a mess um it's not like strictly a a music page or it wasn't at the right. time um she's like private all those videos so people can see your singing videos you know and i the second one the second singing vote video below it was sometimes and oh. both of these songs i only written like i only re- written whatever you see in the tiktok is what i wrote like i didn't finish these songs I, it, they were literally ideas that i just put out into the ether um and I, this is what's so crazy is that I literally thought nothing of it. I thought it was such like a, I, I didn't think at the time it was anything super special. And then I, when I finished writing it after it went viral, I was like, oh, wow, I love this song because I had another section and it was one of those things that happened instantly. It was like an right. instant. And that does, for me, that doesn't always happen. It happens a decent amount, but I'm not like constantly like, five minutes 10 minutes a song is born but in those two cases both those songs were written in under 10 minutes um it's crazy so that's what makes me think you know this is like you know and you know artists talk about it it's like a download like that didn't come from me i mean it did but it's like i view i view whatever i do or write or whatever has happened to me as a vessel for connection Mm -hmm. and so i think it was one of those things where it was just that thing that was going to do it. Um, but I uploaded that video and then within a few days we started to see that picking up, which is weird. Cause usually I didn't, I didn't know that 
you could post something online and then days later it could become right. viral. Without so once you-, you once you privated all those other videos and the only two that were sitting there were now sometimes in the in the video that went viral, mm-hmm. people are probably going to your page and then watching that other one. Is that kind of what happens? And then that one goes crazy. Yeah, and I remember like <laughs> so funny under the Celine video. Um, uh, what happened? I put like a Grammarly sound, like I put like a trending sound under it. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe that's why it went viral. And then you see the analytics and it was only like, I think less than 4% is where it came from. Like doing that, was it going to make it? It would have made it. Viral? Like, it right. was like, it wasn't, it wasn't through that way, but I remember people like wanting to use the sound and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Cause I didn't know how to use TikTok. You know what I mean? I didn't know that I could do all these. I'm not super savvy in that way, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, they found it. And I think it, it, it had to take a, a like a couple days. And then people were like, oh, yeah, people are using your sound. People are using the sound. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, what? This is just. Um, and then it was one of those things that it wasn't like um, it wasn't instant either. It wasn't like how Celine went instantly and was just like out there. It was one of those things that like gradually kept getting more traction, which I found interesting. And then that translated to DSPs, which is crazy. Um, right. That doesn't happen either. Now it's going. So because stuff can go viral on TikTok and then especially you said the song wasn't even done yet, right? Yeah. And then to move it over then to like get people to pre-save it or whatever they're doing on Spotify is like a whole nother. You have to close the to get people to leave an app, to open an app, to pre-save. Like that's right. so many steps that most people are like, oh, yeah, this song's cool. I'll, I'll share the sound. And then it's like, that's it. Right. Exactly. And that's what I thought was so weird because at the time I, I had no concept of analytics and those kinds of things. So when people were telling me this, I didn't know what they were talking about. They're like, and I was like, oh, that actually is really cool that, you know, you have to put in the effort because we do live in a society that's very like, all right, in the next if, under a minute, I don't know how to like function, you know, if anything's longer than that. Right. Um, so it was definitely crazy. And I think even now, like if on my page, the, the way that it, it did on TikTok, Spotify has surpassed like incredibly, which is just so interesting how uh, people gravitated towards it. You know, it freaking changed my life. So I'm just so thankful that people enjoyed it. And I'm just really excited to share more of the context for that song and for, you know, what I was going through. That's so cool. I mean, how cool. And so once you're getting all this buzz around the song, is that when record labels and managers are like knocking at the door like hey what's yeah. going on over here literally Was that was, overwhelming oh yeah i at this point like i had no uh i'd never been in like an industry space before any of those things uh and but i remember the the first time that i was in a recording studio was when i was 19 i did some demos um through my dad's friend and like my dad would come my dad would always like you know, show me different cool things. Like he'd be like, Oh, I know this guy or this or that. And I was kind of like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I've seen this film before. Um, and I love him. He's so supportive, but this time he, uh, introduced me to this guy and he heard me and he was like, Oh, well, this is great. Let's get her in the studio. We'll do it for free. And it was such a cool, it was, it was my first serious experience. And I was, it was like a kid in a candy store. I was freaking out. Um, and so we had that that season of my life that was like when I was um deferred for a year and I was staying home and then I called him I hadn't spoken to him in a year and I called him because he's a he was a manager for somebody at Atlantic and I was like I don't know what to do I don't know what to do um I'm overwhelmed and so he helped guide the the meetings and that kind of stuff and it, and it really really helped me out um the first label that i met with first email i got was interscope which is very crazy wow Um, okay so i immediately just connected with them and you know how they view artists and musicians and it's so funny because i remember a year before this was pandemic time not doing great (laughs) going on their website and they always have the faqs and they're like how to get us to notice you i was like how do i get noticed by a record label 
Um, and you went on to in, uh, Insta yeah, site. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really like, that's the label that I, I wanted to be with. And at the time, my only reference for, you know, I, I didn't know much about the industry is that I saw all like all my favorite artists. And I think being a part of such a legacy is just so insane to me. You know, that's what I was going to ask you was, uh, was there a, like an artist or somebody that on there that you really were uh, obsessed with that was signed at Interscope? I mean, there, there are a lot, but Lady Gaga is like my favorite artist like, one oh, okay. of, my favorite of all time. So I'm like, that's, that's weird. You know what I mean? That's weird. Sure. It's like that in itself is enough. Like, um, so yeah, it was one of those things where I just really, really, really connected with them. Um, I had all the rounds and stuff. Um, uh, and it's so funny hearing all the labels be like, oh, that's funny. We'll fly you out. But, you know, the Zoom thing. I mean, for me, I'm just like, hey, I got here. I don't, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I got here. If it's on Zoom, that's okay. Just, you know, let's go. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for doing this today, GJ. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. I do have one, yeah. One more quick question before I let you go. Um, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Ooh. When things aren't going the way that you think they should, it's very easy to get discouraged, especially in this era where there's just so much happening all the time. And this is also, I think, advice to myself as somebody, you know, developing as an artist is when everything feels really crazy, just try to remember why you're doing this. I think it's easy to get lost in the noise or the politics or the stress of the business or whatever it is. But know that at one point and what, like one day you're going to be really, really grateful that you stuck it out. You know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. And, you know, I, I'm still new to this. So I think fall in love with music as much as you can, you know, in a way, like, I think it's hard to separate when it becomes a job in certain aspects. So having those moments where you can remove it and just really experience the, the fun that it is outside of, you know, the job part of it. Cause I feel like then at that point, why are you doing it? And I think that's something I have to, you know, check with myself with and i think live moments are really great for that too when you really connect just hold on to those moments when you can connect with people